You ready? I'm Lisa. And I'm Kelly. And this is Bad at Boundaries, the podcast where we share personal stories about setting boundaries, healing, and growing into the people we want to be. Get ready to laugh, sigh, and draw the line with us. Super easy first take. Okay, Lisa, where did you draw the line? Well... So I've kind of been going through this thing, and I've been working on this in therapy quite a bit. And actually, I think the reel that is currently going viral on mm-hmm. Instagram, over 10,000 views, no big deal. And counting. And counting. Um, it, It'll be more by the time we post it this It will episode. be. God, what an ego hit. So <laughs> one thing I've been really working on in therapy is body image stuff and setting boundaries around, like, how people are allowed to discuss my body Mm-hmm. like and that it's a super loaded subject and I do want to put like a trigger warning this is what the whole episode is about mm-hmm. so if that's something you're not comfortable discussing like please feel free skip this one like no hard feelings but so obviously like Kelly you know what I look like mm-hmm. like you've seen me in real life and a lot of the people who listen to this podcast if you follow our Instagram page or any of our like our TikToks or our personals you've seen me too and I have been made aware of what I look like since I was very, very young. Let's let's take it all the way back to day one. Let's do mm-hmm. this. So I I developed very early. Like I was eight years old and in the body that I'm currently in. Like mm-hmm. I hit puberty and I ran into a like fucking brick wall, for lack of a better term. Like I remember being like the tallest kid in my class, taller than all the boys when eight years old. Like I had breasts and hips like before I was 10. I was the first girl in my class to wear a bra, have a period, like kind of go through that whole thing. And for a long time, I was instilled with a kind of quiet feminine rage that I think you can only get when you hit puberty way too young. And like, I'm also, I'm also Welsh. And if you've never met a Welsh person in real life, like we're kind of built like woodland pixies. (laughs) We're very slight, very petite people. And growing up in the early 2000s, like I, I kind of just was the beauty standard without really like setting an intention to set out that way. And I also was a child when I was going through all this. So somebody who's under the age of 18, under the age of 16, under the age of 13, embodying the beauty standard of the day which was like your Paris Hilton's your Mm -hmm. Nicole Richie who like like they had eating disorders they had binge Mm -hmm. drinking problems and people were idolizing that behavior and that look and like that's what I looked like as a kid and it was it was like I was fair game from the moment I put my first bra on and like mm-hmm. people have always especially people in my family not my close family thank god because that would have been unbearable um they were my mom and dad were really good about like they didn't give a shit about what I looked like like it is what it is but it was like for the rest of the world I was just fair game to like talk about Lisa's body so like every family gathering like every Christmas at my grandmother's or like going to see extended aunts and uncles, everybody would only talk about my appearance and what I looked like. And like my grandmother's favorite saying is, uh, Lisa's my favorite granddaughter because she never takes a bad picture. And yeah. What? Yeah, 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 I know. So uh, imagine growing up around that. And also too being like 13 years old and like 
having being compared to your cousins like I was the youngest in the family and I'm being compared to my female cousins who are like in their late teens and early 20s at this point and saying you need to lose weight to look more like Lisa like you need to do xyz to look more like Lisa like you're fat compared to her xyz and like that it's an insane amount of pressure to put on a kid it's also like why are we all so obsessed (laughs) with a child's body for a very long time a lot of where I saw my own value was in my own appearance you know, I'll get more into like my journey of how I've kind of let that go. But all this kind of came into a head because I bumped into some extended family, actually at another local library, not too long ago, I bumped into a couple like aunts, uncles and cousins who were there with like my nieces and nephews. And this is like very extended family, like we don't really talk anymore. But obviously, like I saw them, I, you know, said, hey, whatever. And the last time I had seen these people was I think like partway through like quarantine, let's say we did like the Zoom visit. And I remember on the Zoom call, like everybody just kept telling me I look different and they wouldn't elaborate and wouldn't really say like what was different. And I was just like, okay, like, I guess we're still talking about my looks like cool, whatever. Mm -hmm. And when I bumped into these people at the library, it was like instantly all they could talk about was how I had lost my quarantine 15 and I was like, how, how am I almost 30 years old and still having the same conversations about what my body looks like? And I, you have this amazing saying that you always say, Kelly. And, um, oh shit, I'm forgetting it now. The, oh, I personally like to think that my body is the least interesting thing about me. Yes, and that was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, are you fucking kidding? Like, all you want to talk about is what I look like and how relieved you are that, like, I'm back to being thin again, which also, like, I gained 15 pounds in the quarantine. Yes, I was the heaviest I've ever been in my whole life. I was also putting on weight in the hopes of surviving a global pandemic. Like, Mm -hmm. I was very thankful that my body was capable of putting on weight at that time because for years I wasn't able to do that. I've always really struggled with maintaining a healthy weight, just not out of intention or anything. Like, it just kind of is how it is. And, like, I was sitting there and, like, you know, they're all joining on about how good I look and, like, how how pretty I am. And I'm like, guys, like, I'm a successful podcaster at this point. Like, I would say that. Like, I'm very interesting. I have a fucking bachelor's degree. I, like, own and run several successful businesses. I'm in a great relationship. Like, I'm the happiest and most confident I've ever been in my life and all you guys are talking about is how my shorts look better on me like are you fucking kidding me especially because like bodies like the (sighs) relationship between bodies and control is like such a fine line Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons I think like there's only so much you can change so growing up like I have an identical twin yeah and so I think that makes things a little bit different because I grew up getting to see myself in 3D absolutely on a daily basis Mm -hmm. so like we we knew what we looked like in a way that like other people don't get to so it wasn't Mm -hmm. a surprise for me to see myself in pictures Mm -hmm. but I think there's this unhealthy relationship with like bodies and aging and time yes absolutely I can't tell you how many young people I know like I was doing a mentorship program for a while I'm like I was like what this was like two years ago so I was like 26 27 and I was mentoring some like 17, 18, 19. Like, that was kind of my group. Mm -hmm. And all of them were like, wow, you look really good for your age. And I was like, what do you think 26 is supposed to look like? (laughs) Like, I'm not an old woman. But 
there's this like magic age of like we'll call it like 25 because yeah. that's the Leonardo DiCaprio cutoff apparently. <laughs> I'm glad I've but aged out. Let's say that. <laughs> up until 25, you can't wait to be 25. Mm-hmm. And then after 25, I feel like everyone's chasing going back. Yes. And part of it is like our perception of what people look like at certain ages is way off because the age of the actors Mm -hmm. in all of our like most loved beloved movies and and films and tv shows are sometimes way off their actual age well look at the riverdale kids like Mm -hmm. the riverdale kids they're like almost 30 now and they're playing high schoolers still which god save save those actors and riverdale oh my god but like i know so many people did you cry on your 25th birthday Birthday? No. Oh, well, I did. <laughs> I remember I had all my friends over and I was like celebrating this great big milestone. Like, yeah, like I did it. I made it through a quarter of my life, which can I just say there were plenty of times growing up where as somebody who struggles with depression and severe anxiety, there were plenty of times where I was like, I'm never going to make it to 25. Like, I'm never going to make it there. And it was, like, such a celebratory moment. And then immediately after the party was over and all my friends left, I, like, was in my bathroom taking off my makeup. And I was like, it's over. It's done. Youth is gone forever. Like, it's over. You're over the hill. Like, <laughs> it's done. Which is so, like, if anything, I found the older I get, the more comfortable I get in my body, the more mm-hmm. secure I feel in myself and my identity, And, like, I think of all the things I've done since turning 25, and I'm just like, thank God I didn't stop there. Like, Especially, like, for listeners that are younger than us. mm -hmm. Like, I'm 31. Mm -hmm. Oh, I turned 29 the week this comes out. Oh, my God. (laughs) The day? No. No, okay. I turned 29 on May 13th. Yeah. So it'll be coming out. Uh, so I think like two days after this comes out, it's my birthday. Nice. Sorry, sidebar nation. A yeah. huge dilly dally. Sidebar. But anyways, <laughs> like I I was not, I was late to the game with puberty. Oh, really? Um, I actually didn't even need to wear a training bra mm-hmm. until grade nine. Wow. Okay. Because I just like, my boobs just didn't come in. To be fair, they didn't really come in through high school either but there was enough of a something there that I was more comfortable having like an old navy training bra on to change for gym class right right so my boobs didn't actually grow until I was like 23 and learning how to deal with those later Mm -hmm. I'm like first I was like wow this is everything I ever wanted (laughs) and then I was like wow these really get in the way yeah I was thinking it was pretty substantial boobage right now like and I The timing that my boobs came in was actually kind of terrible because Mm. they came in um, right before I started, like, student teaching and being in a school environment (laughs) where I'm... Talk about (laughs) re-traumatizing. And being in, like, a junior high, high school environment is such a weird thing to go through because at that age, like, I was 19 when I did my first, like, shadow um, session, student teaching. Baby. So I was, like, 19, 20, and then 23 or no, 22 as a student teacher. Wow. I was 23 as, like, a fully graduated teacher. And oh you're God. still dealing with body image. Your body's changing. Mm-hmm. But being in an environment where you're still working through a lot mm-hmm. and people are looking up to you, 
is such a weird concept. Yeah. Student teaching wasn't so bad because I was in like a larger public school. It was like outside of the city. So it was like farm kids. They were all showing up in their their sweatpants. Yeah. So it was a pretty relaxed environment. But when I started teaching full time, that school had uniforms. And Mm. this was a very conservative religion that these students were part of. Yes. So (laughs) the girls were only allowed to wear skirts and dresses. So for my first year as a teacher in that environment, they actually imposed that dress code on us. Are you and fucking then kidding me? The teachers pushed back against it and was like, actually that's you imposing your religious beliefs. So yeah. that got dropped. But I went into this like feeling very young. Like my last mm-hmm. semester as a student teacher, I was twenty two mm-hmm. and the school constable asked me for a hall pass like on a weekly, if not <laughs> daily basis. And like every time I would hold up the key ring and be like, I have my I don't have an ID because I'm a student teacher, but yeah. I have the keys to the building. I'm a fucking teacher. I was like, do I need to show oh. you my driver's license? Oh, my God. And get ID'd <laughs> in the hallway. Oh, God. So I went from that to teaching at this very conservative school mm-hmm. where I was like, everything is, like, to the neck. Like, I did not even show my collarbones. Turtle neck at that city. School, oh, my God. Especially because I was teaching primarily high school. Yeah. And... From grade 7 to 12, my first year, two years teaching there, we had two female students in that group. Whoa. So it was a bunch of a bunch of young men, and I was like, I do not no, want to you. give anyone any room to make comments on like my yeah. body, my presentation, anything mm-hmm. like that. And I feel like I'm still working on just like owning my body mm-hmm. and deciding how much I do or don't show. Yeah. Because... Like, I think if people are choosing to be modest, that is great for them. But for me, it's it wasn't something that I chose. It was something that was kind of pushed. Mm -hmm. And I remember, so we kicked off the school year with a track and field day that was um, multiple campuses coming together. Cool. And they had sent an email that was like, yeah, the dress code has for teachers has officially changed. So, like, no leggings, but you can wear track pants or you can wear like your your joggers to Mm -hmm. to supervise events Mm -hmm. so i'm at a campus where remember (laughs) we're all 24 to 26 oh yeah i was actually i was still 23 at the time that year that summer yeah yeah and the three female teachers from my campus show up we're the youngest teaching group by far yeah and we are the only ones in pants (laughs) so not only are all the students like all the female students and their moms and older sisters Were and aunties and grandmas for track and field skirts over leggings it was like a one piece thing you know like i'm not gonna shit on because it wasn't their choice <laughs> well it wasn't their choice but also let's imagine an ideal world where it was their choice i'm i'm never gonna shit on anybody for choosing to be modest mm-hmm. because as much as i think like you you just you have the right to wear whatever the fuck you want mm-hmm. and it shouldn't have an impact on on the quality of how you're treated mm-hmm. on the quality of how people view like your character like it, we all we've all heard it a million times it doesn't matter what somebody is wearing they deserve to be treated with like human decency and respect yeah and like one of the kind of side effects of developing very early in my case is like my parents were kind of tasked with the challenge of like they you know wanted me to be an individual and like dress however I wanted to dress but also like they had the knowledge that I didn't have at the time which was people were sexualizing me way before I was ready to be sexualized and I it was a huge point of tension 
growing up because as we've established, I love fashion. I love wearing freaky, honestly, kind of like slutty and awesome like outfits. Like that's that's just how I like to dress. And uh, it used to really bother me that like my mom would see what I was wearing and be like, no, you have to go upstairs and change. And I'm like, I don't understand why I can't just wear what I want to wear and it turned into this huge huge point of tension in our house of like you know sneaking out of the house or like leaving the house wearing like a hoodie and sweatpants and like changing halfway to the bus stop or like you know sneaky changing in the alley on the way home so my mom wouldn't see and like I understand why like she was doing what she was doing and I and I understand too that like as parents you have to protect your child from danger that they don't know about and unfortunately like when I was growing up if somebody saw a child dressing the way I was dressing I'm sure they would have at least been a dick about it like I can't tell you how many times I've been followed home how many mm-hmm. times I've been groped on a bus like yeah. I actually had a guy when I was 16 years old try to recruit me for a pornography shoot that was actively happening and he tried to drag me like stop me from exiting the bus he tried to keep me on there and like it was just it was such a delicate balance of like you want your child to be able to express themselves but you also want them to be safe and unfortunately we still live in a world where it's more important to police our girls or Mm -hmm. police our our children as opposed to like teaching the men in our society or the people who are perpetrators Mm-hmm. To just, like, fucking stop it and get your head on straight. So, like, that was a huge point of frustration for me. Yeah, and I think that's something that gets, like, we talked about, like, that age gap between, like, actors and characters. Yeah. And this gets perpetuated mm-hmm. in media. So, like, an example that I use. So, like, I used to teach Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. to my grade 9 or 10 students, depending on depending on the shuffle and the rotation that mm-hmm. year. And in one of the earliest movies, they had really strict rules about how um, intimacy and physical intimacy and sex can be shown on screen. Right. So the actor and actress, like the actress playing Juliet, was actually 14. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't actually kiss oh, properly. Wow. They yeah. could put their faces next to each other, but everything was fully faked. Whereas nowadays producers or like production companies will pick an actress Mm -hmm. who is 18 or older Mm -hmm. so that legally they can showcase sex scenes Mm -hmm. in a way that's not illegal but the care for those characters it is still technically illegal yeah yeah and like and it comes down to like on the one hand I think it is really important to have media that portrays like actors be like as underage people like children Mm -hmm. should be like viewing media that's brought to you by children in a weird way because I know for myself like when I was growing up and watching like Vampire Diaries and Pretty Little Liars and like all those shows on MTV I was just like oh my god like look at these beautiful like frankly bodacious babes on the TV screen full grown adults full grown adults like mid 20s and I'm there with my you know 14 15 year old body and like again I'm Welsh I'm built like a woodland fairy (laughs) like I don't have a ton of curves to like work with I do have a booty though which I love but it's you know it was so I was so self-conscious of it of not you know living up to almost like an expectation that I thought like Mm -hmm. boys my age and other girls my age had you know and I think even just the way that people's bodies were commented on in media Mm -hmm. or in magazines and publications Mm -hmm. it's starting to change yeah it's 
it's still, I think, a big issue. But Mm -hmm. I recently had a friend who got into a new exercise routine. Mm -hmm. And before she started, she was like, hey, I want to tell, like, the group chat. I'm signed up for this new gym membership. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear any comments on my body even if you think it's a compliment Mm -hmm. and it's like great okay cool so she'll be like I had a great workout and I'll be like cool like how did that feel for your mental health like it's so easy to come up with alternatives it is and like the thing that really bugged me about the thing uh like what went down when I bumped into my extended family is I was just like I kept like I thought I was making it very clear that I didn't want to talk about it anymore like I kept trying to change the subject or saying like you know like it's really not that big of a deal like we don't need to talk about it and it just kept like rerouting and one of the things I'm working on with my therapist right now is building up the confidence to you know after you've established where your boundary is and you've communicated like hey shut the fuck up about that like what how how do you appropriately like basically give somebody the consequences of their actions if they're refusing and that that is something that I still find really hard to do Mm -hmm. spur of the moments and like you know I kept repeating like you know I don't want to talk about this if we keep talking about this I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave and I wish I had had it in me or had the tools or the resources to do more then just exit the conversation because Mm -hmm. frankly I was like I feel like there's a real opportunity for education here Mm -hmm. but also you know this has been going on for almost 30 years now like at at a certain point is it like worth my energy to like try to change people's minds because you can't when it comes to setting boundaries with people who aren't willing to like honor the boundary it's kind of like what's what's the point here like am I better off just cutting them out of my life which sucks because it's family yeah, and in an ideal world, in any situation, you should only have mm. to say no once for that to be respected. Yeah. But the reality is anyone who exists in the world has gone through some sort of societal conditioning where yes. there's certain patterns or speech patterns or statements that mm-hmm. maybe no one has challenged you on before. Yeah. And I think the best way for people to learn something new is often through repetition, Yeah, which can be a huge emotional Drain. lift from you. Oh, I find it so draining to have to educate someone constantly. Mm-hmm. Like at a certain point, it's like, listen, this person I was talking to, I was like, you're over 60 years old. You are more than capable of like doing the research and figuring out why this was problematic like the issue at Mm -hmm. this point is you just don't want to change so like how is that my responsibility like that can't possibly fall to me you know and like I don't have kids I don't plan on having kids but I have Mm -hmm. a lot of friends having babies Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people with different opinions on like should you post your kids on social media I, as somebody who's worked in social media for years, I think it's doing them an incredible disservice to do that. And not, let's take the whole, like, body, body confidence, you know, self-love, let's take that out of the equation with how technology is going. Like, we're already seeing AI so advanced, they're making, like, deep fake porn of celebrities. They're doing it with random influencers now. You better believe they're doing it with pictures of children on the internet. So, like, why would you want to expose your child to that? Like, if, yeah. it, if it was me, I would, no, never, yeah. ever. I wouldn't let my kid have social media until they were, yeah. I don't know, at and least I, 15. I have some friends who, like, throughout their pregnancy mm-hmm. went through a deep cleanse on their social media, made yeah. everything as private as possible, mm-hmm. um, set up a close friends list, post, mm-hmm. like, most of the content to their kids goes to, like, close friend stories, not the feed, which, you know, like, mm-hmm. there is nothing stopping people from screenshotting. Yeah. 
but they've like carefully curated like lists of people they trust that are safe um, yeah. and removed people from followers so I think it yeah it is like totally personal preference but mm-hmm. the most common comment that you hear about babies and like young kids is like oh they're so cute and then you're already teaching them that their appearance is the most interesting thing yeah about them yeah and I feel like I feel like um the, the technological advances have almost like put a spotlight on like why this is a problem mm-hmm. because like I definitely have friends who post their kids online all mm-hmm. the time and I'm just like yeah like you know you do you not my thing but like sure but I agree with you it is kind of like why do you feel the need to like turn your kid into a social media account in some way like like it's one thing like I have a couple friends who like dibs the username for their kid and they aren't like posting anything on there but they did get like a solid like first name and like I think they did like partial last name or like whatever and I was like that's very cool like okay it's mm-hmm. like dibsing like remember when you would try to get like your hotmail account in before anybody <laughs> else and when gmail became a thing you're like oh my god yeah um the the body stuff is so it's such a loaded topic and I we've been debating doing this one for a while and I was almost like I don't know if I have it in me for a long mm-hmm. time because like I don't know if you know this but I actually like just kind of got back into like healthy mode post pandemic Mm -hmm. and like we said like I I gained quite a bit of weight and a large portion of it was stress I was also like not sleeping like Mm -hmm. I I think the the worst point of it I was like of course (laughs) drinking away as was my go-to pandemic response so dealing with alcoholism sleeping about maybe two hours a night Mm -hmm. and then not leaving the house not exercising just super stressed out ordering skip the dishes sometimes two or three times a day Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah like no wonder no wonder that was a problem but I think it goes to show like body stuff is so closely Mm -hmm. intertwined with mental health things and like I feel like I I finally feel like my external is a reflection of like me being back at a baseline again of normalcy and comfort food isn't evil, but no, like, absolutely not. This is your daily reminder to like eat a vegetable and drink a glass of water. Well, and one of the things I've learned is it's just like it's all about balance. Like it mm-hmm. is totally fine to like you know have those days where you you hit the McDonald's drive through a couple times or mm-hmm. you have an extra glass of wine and like there's nothing morally wrong about how you choose to like fuel yourself. But mm-hmm. I also think it's important to be like does this feel good? Am I doing this because it feels good? Like the other week when we completely failed at recording our podcast episode, I was just like, fuck, I just want comfort food. Let's go hit a McDonald's drive through And yeah. it made me feel a lot better. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. totally okay. And it took me a long time, but I follow a lot of people on Instagram. Actually, it was when Ari started their real body campaign. Oh. And I did like a full cleanse of who I was following. Yeah. And that was the first time that I was really critical about figuring out like what bodies I wanted to see on the internet. The thing I really admire about that brand is they really saw a need. Mm-hmm. And like I remember the day I saw the first like airy campaign where it featured like a plus sized black woman who she only she she only had up into till her elbow mm-hmm. on one of her arms. And I was just like, this fucking cool. Like it's mm-hmm. nice seeing people who I would just like bump into at the supermarket. 
like, show yeah. me what this actually looks like, you know? Yeah, it's, like, those, like, the Dove commercials as well. Like, mm-hmm. I remember those coming out when I was in, like, high school and, like, those feeling revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even showing a wide range of diverse bodies, but mm-hmm. they were showing people in sizes, still not average, but closer to average. Like, mid-size. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, they're, like, mid-size or close to mid-size, which at that point, like, what year was this when they started doing that? 2013? 2014 yeah we'll have to fact check Maybe. ourselves but but i re- remember like the only other like campaigns you saw for like lingerie and swimwear were, were victoria's secret and the like, victoria's <sighs> secret fashion show i don't watch anymore i i never watched it and partially because we could not afford the channel <laughs> that mm-hmm. it aired on but also too like i think my mom saw it and saw the idea of it and was just like yeah no not my daughter Ugh. Yeah, but like brands like, and there are a lot more brands nowadays. Like, there's a swimwear brand out of uh, Vancouver. Actually, they're called Nettles Tail. Mm-hmm. We should give them a shout out because I ordered a swimsuit from them based on their campaigns. But mm-hmm. not only do they show a wide range of bodies, mm-hmm. they actually use like real people from their community to oh, design swimsuits. I love that. So they'll be like, hey. Mm-hmm. this person is our inspiration for this suit mm-hmm. and these are their measurements mm-hmm. this is the size they're wearing and they'll do try-ons in their stories and say like hey like this is my bust measurement this mm-hmm. is my waist measurement this is my hip here's so how this cool. size fits on me here's how this size fits That's and so, so cool. they really talk a lot about it's about like you should just look at the measurement to decide what clothing. 100%. Because I think people have a lot of stress about being attached to, like, a certain size. Mm -hmm. And if you have been a certain size for a long time, Mm -hmm. it can be, like, (laughs) I've been upset to have to, like, realize that Mm -hmm. I need to, like, resize some of my favorite pieces. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that because no one can tell what size your jeans are. People are not walking up to you saying, quick, like, let me see your waistband. Yeah, let me check that tag. Yeah, I'd be like, get away from my fucking pants, weirdo. Mm -hmm. But, like, I've, I've also gone through the same thing, but, like, well, not really the same thing because, like, I, to be totally honest, I wear an extra small or an extra, extra small. And it used to be humiliating before, like, the size accessibility, like, expanded. And, like, I know a lot of women feel it on the opposite end where it's, Mm -hmm. like, you can't find cute clothes if you're plus-sized. And then I had, like, the humiliation on the opposite end of, like, having to wear kids' clothes as, like, Mm -hmm. a teenager and, like, nothing fitting right and, like, all my pants being too big, like, my pants right now are too big for me, and, or, like, two inches too long, and yes, it's, it's not at all, like, it doesn't have the same levels of discrimination and prejudice towards it, but Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody, like, it just goes to show, like, feeling self-conscious in the clothing you're wearing, because some fucking capitalist system, some designer, some, like, some producer of this clothing is not being thoughtful for everybody. Well, we're doing clothing completely wrong. Clothing used to be made for bodies and everything is custom and tailored. And now there's these, honestly, arbitrary sizing. Arbitrary sizing, and it's all fast fashion. Like, get it out as soon as you can. And don't get me wrong, there's, like, if you don't have the means to wear anything other than fast fashion, fucking go for it. Like, everyone has a right to dress themselves and feel good in their clothing. But, like, the fast fashion industry is what's kind of made it difficult for everybody who's not a small, medium, large Mm -hmm. to, like, find what they need. 
No. And yeah, like I'm in a bigger size than you, but I can still walk into any store mm-hmm. and find things in my size and maybe they don't have the color I want in the size I am but I can still try things on Mm -hmm. in store and have a good idea of how things are going to fit I am I have not quite graduated to the level where I can look at a size chart on the internet and be 100% confident that I am ordering the right thing but Mm -hmm. yeah like someone I can't remember who it was but some celebrity out there um responded to a comment about like clothing and body and was like celebrities don't order a specific Mm -hmm. size like we're not all ordering like smalls and extra smalls we're ordering a large and then getting everything like tailored specifically to us specifically and like oh my god what's her freaking name there's this girl she's a plus size model i hate the term plus size model it's so like she's a fucking model she's beautiful yeah um and so she does like haul try-ons and she'll order like a bunch of fucking clothes from like Aritzia. Um, she's done like H&M before. I think she like a- any big like retailer. She'll go and she'll do like a haul try-on. And it's like, listen, I bought like four different dresses from Aritzia all in size like a 3X or whatever. And she's trying them on. She's like, explain to me why this is same, same size dress, mm-hmm. same brand. And they like one will fit. And the other's, like, way too small. The other one's ridiculously unflattering. Yeah. And it's just, like, I love her content. And she she's also, like, hilarious, too. I will find her name. So mm-hmm. we can at least, like, feature one of her videos and the key images for this episode. But it's just, like, let's start calling these brands out on their shit. Like, I feel like the tides are turning and people are done with feeling bad about themselves all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, my body is not the fucking problem. It's the community around me, and it's the manufacturing process. Yeah, and even, like, sizes have changed even from when I started buying my own clothes, which was Mm -hmm. a little later than, for me, than for some people, because I just let my mom dress me for so long. (laughs) Anyways. Wait, wait, wait. Did you and Molly have to wear matching outfits? We often had the same clothing, because my mom was a big fan of the, like, the Gap Kids sale rack. Oh, yeah, the BOGO. I get it. Because you can get those good, especially for twins, you're buying two of everything. Yeah, yeah. So we had similar clothing, but we always had different colors. So back in those days, like the Gap Kids girls options were pink, purple, or blue. And we have red hair. And it was a lot fierier back in the day. (laughs) So I wear pink now, but we did not then. Yeah. I was always purple. Molly was always blue. Nice. Like, mom would stock the year-end sales (laughs) to have stuff ready for the next year. She's a very smart bargain shopper that way. Go Karen. Yeah. (laughs) So we'd always have, like, our fleece for the year ready to go. Fleece for the year. Um, But to the point where we had color split up for a long time. Because we... We didn't always share a room, but, like, our laundry would get done together, and it was just easier if you could be, like, yellow, Kelly's, green, Kelly's, yeah, purple, Kelly's, yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of TikToks about this. There's, like, the pink and blue sister yeah. and the purple and green sister. See, I don't have that. I, I grew yeah. up with a brother, right? So, so you had the rainbow. I had, well, I had the, um, when I was younger... I, like, my, and my mom was still, like, buying my clothes. I was dressed, like, very overtly feminine all Mm -hmm. the time. Very, very overtly feminine. And then kind of when, like, my body did start changing with puberty, 
um, I made the decision to like kind of wear men's clothes a little bit more just like I wanted Mm -hmm. to hide and then it wasn't until I started getting a little bit more confident which I think that was around like grade eight grade nine that's when I started like dressing myself and I I was at that point very into like Aerosmith (laughs) and Nirvana and like all, all these like old old school punk bands so I was wearing a lot of like ripped up skinny jeans and like stealing old band t-shirts from my brother and like so it you know it's no. it's definitely been a fashion fashion journey yeah for me. my mom has great style and to mm-hmm. her dismay mm-hmm. I refused to wear jeans until probably grade seven Whoa. and I think at that point I only succumbed to like the peer pressure yeah um but even then, she was like, you you should own jeans at this age. She yeah, kind of, like, fit like, in. I was a big corduroy fan, so it wasn't oh, like I was only yeah. wearing, like, leggings because yeah. those weren't really considered pants yet in yeah, those yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. Unless you were, like, a little, little kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, but my – I can picture these, like, very clearly. Oh, my God. The compromise we settled on was stretchy – Old navy kids jeans. Yes. With embroidered flowers all the way up the side. <gasps> yes. And I was like, honestly, I would wear those. T- the those that pair definitely does not fit me anymore. But I was like, I would <sighs> I would wear something like that again. Like I don't like hard pants. Everything is like stretchy. Yeah. Lisa complimented my my jeans the other day. <laughs> or she no she because we were doing something where we were sitting a lot and yeah. jeans are notoriously not comfy for that. And I was like, why are you wearing? Like, I'm wearing jeans right now, but they're, like, a size too big, so they're quite comfy, right? Yeah, and same. And I I just fully did, like, a deep squat in the parking lot to prove the stretch factor. No, Kelly looks at me. She's like, no, they stretch. And I was like, really? And she just, like, we're in the middle of a parking lot. You just drop in, like, real low. And I'm like, all right, there's kids, there's families, there's, like, people. All right, let's go. Touch my jagging. Yeah, it was great. Um, I think the point we were trying to get towards is that it's hard, but if you can get to a point where mm. you can pick the clothes that make you feel good and mm-hmm. ignore the tags, mm-hmm. ignore the sizes, and just kind of go with that, mm-hmm. like, that is such a healthy place to get to. And yeah. it's a journey. Like, there's still some days where I'll throw things on and be like, not today. You know, when I when I gained, like, that weight, and I, I will say I gained it really quickly. Like, I think within the span of... March until I want to say my my birthday like I had gained that weight and like that was a significant amount of weight for me to gain um I definitely went through the point where like you know spring turned into summer and I'm like trying to put on all my old summer clothes and for the first time in my life like okay like those shorts aren't fitting I can get those on, but I can't sit down in them. Or, like, even I actually put this on, uh, this tank top that I'm wearing, which it, it's kind of like a weird, like, haltery kind of vibe. Halter. Yeah, but, like, I had, like, little, like, puffs of extra skin next to my armpits. And I was just like, what is this? And, like, I felt really bad because I, I had gained the weight in a, like, not healthy way. And combined with the eating, like, shit the not sleeping, and, and also, I, FYI, alcoholism feels really shitty when you're in the <laughs> middle of doing it, but, like, I actually kind of like the way I look with, like, a little extra cushion for the cushion, for lack of a better term, and, like, I, I've i lost the weight, but, like, I definitely still, like, have a little bit, and it kind of, like, changed my weight displacement on my body, mm-hmm. too. I feel like a lot of people in femme bodies mm-hmm. have insecurities about, like, the area below the belly button yeah 
And most of the time, I'm like, that's literally your organs, babe. That's, like, your uterus. Yeah. Like, that's what that is. And, like, I used to know, like, this was how thin I was growing up. You could look at me and tell if I was on my period because I would have, like, visible bloat. And, like, now I just kind of have that all the time. And I'm, like, looking at it, and I'm, like, I like that I look a little bit more, like, womanly now. Like, I feel a little bit sexier. And, like, for the first time ever, I had, like, new stretch marks and stuff. And, like, I kind of, like, missed out on a lot of those late-in-your-teens female experiences where you can actually, like, see your body changing. Like, mine happened really fast, but, like, I was growing so much at that point that I almost, like, didn't get stretch marks mm-hmm. or anything. And I, like... Remember, I was, like, in the backyard having a beer because that's what I was doing then. And I yeah. looked down, and I was, like, wearing a bikini bottom, and I was, like, whoa, like, I have, like, tiger stripes on my hips. And it made me feel so sexy and empowered and being, like, yeah, like, I earned these. Like, mm-hmm. this is, like, what a female body looks like. And I had always been so, like, uncurvy and, like, mm-hmm. really willowy. And, it, it like, as much as I was, like, sitting around feeling like shit because everyone else was making me feel like shit for gaining weight... I I was kind of like, I kind of like the way I look. And same with John, too. Like, so he put on weight during the pandemic as well. And he's he's also, like, a huge dude. So, like, you no, notice. He's so tall. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, six foot something. And, like, he gained about the same amount of weight as I did. And I was kind of like, I like me a husky man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I never knew that. I always knew I had, like, liked curvier women because, like, that's pretty much the only type of type of woman I've dated. But, like, for guys, I usually went for, like, muscly gym bros. <laughs> like, that was it. Because that's what we were trained to want. Yeah. Like, all of the love interests in the early 2000s were six foot three <laughs> mid-20-year-olds mm-hmm. with eight packs. Yeah, seriously. And, like, that's that's kind of what I went for. Mm-hmm. And, like, now, now John's training for, like, firefighter stuff. And I'm like, you know, you do you. But, like, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> this is working for me. And, like, like I love it. Like, like, do the gym workout. But then have the chicky nuggies on the yeah, way Yeah, I'm like, you make it's sure. Balanced. I was like, we got to be eating good around this house. Like, yeah. No. So it just, this whole experience of, like, putting on this weight, it really taught me that, like, I can't control how other people feel about my body. Mm-hmm. And that's always going to be an issue. And it's something that I'm going to have to either get really comfortable setting boundaries with or get really comfortable with just letting go. Mm-hmm. And that's situational. But it definitely taught me a lot about, like, I am more than just a pretty face. <laughs> like, which I don't think I really knew <laughs> until the mm-hmm. pandemic hit. So it was, it was just, like, such a nice way to grow and also watch my relationship change, too. And I feel like when we do go through these experiences where another person tries to rain on our good time parade, mm-hmm. like, you can either stand there and get wet. Or you can open your arms and start dancing. Like, no. that's that's kind of how I feel about it, so. Yeah, and for me, like, someone that, like, I still follow and, and love is the bird's papaya, like, Sarah Nicole Landry. Okay. She's out of Ontario, but she was in a NYX campaign. Okay. And NYX is another brand that yes. is, like, doing a, a good job of showing different bodies. Mm-hmm. And she kind of went viral for like embracing and celebrating and flaunting her stretch marks because mm-hmm. she's she's had kids her body has changed yeah and but she also uses her platform she mm-hmm. has like a decent sized following mm-hmm. to talk about like her journey being in a bigger body mm-hmm. going through an eating disorder going yeah. through different types of life changes and talking about how the size of your body and your health the health of your body can have nothing to do with each other absolutely honestly that that's what that whole 
experience taught me. My mental health before the weight gain, I, I, I'm in a way better place than I've ever been. And I feel healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, like, have carefully curated my Instagram feed to, like, have people like that who celebrate their bodies and who really focus on doing what brings them happiness. So, like, Mm -hmm. like working out can do a lot for people's mental health. Mm -hmm. But just doing what you need to do to make sure that your body can do the things and participate in the activities that bring you joy Mm -hmm. in whatever way that looks like for you. So eating things that are good for you and Mm -hmm. still having the treats doing the workouts but like not grinding yourself into the ground Mm -hmm. I'm going to shout out Brenna's uh, Brenna Huckabee because we we love her very (laughs) much on this podcast yeah but I had to she also is an amazing coach so if anyone is looking for uh, coaching sessions yes highly recommend she talks about like she's a an Olympic athlete like has gold medals on the world stage Mm mm-hmm And she has said in multiple posts that she shares, your body needs to rest. It does. Like, you can't just hit the ground running. Yeah. There has to be self-care involved. And, like, there is a lot of routine and structure and discipline that goes into being, like, an elite athlete at that level. Yes. But they're still taking breaks. So finding that balance because, like, overtraining and undertraining both have their own set of of Mm -hmm. issues for your body to deal with so I think and for me I I hate running yeah but I know it's good for me so I will occasionally do it (laughs) and there was one year where I was like out on my first run of the year because I only run in the summer we live in Canada yeah come on I'm not running on ice and snow no I learned to cross-country ski so I could avoid that oh god that's a dilly dally um (laughs) but anyways there was this one year where I was like oh I'm feeling good I'm just gonna keep going so I ran eight kilometers Oh my god. After not having run for at least six months. Why would you do that? I had a lot of regrets. Like, I couldn't squat. So, sitting down on the toilet was torture for like three days. Oh my god. And I was student teaching at the time, and I fully Uh, owned up to this with my students. And they were were like, "Uh, we're teenagers, and we know that was a bad idea. And I was like, yeah, but I will never forget now. It just goes to show you're never too old to learn these lessons and. Or to pick up something new because I Mm -hmm. like I I don't run in the winter. Yeah. So every summer I'm like, oh, I'm going to try taking up running again. And like I'm starting from the beginning. Yeah. Like I do not look at any of my times or anything from like previous years. And Mm -hmm. by take up running, I mean like maybe once a week, Mm -hmm. twice, twice a month is a good month. Yeah. Once a week is the goal. See, I'm I'm more of a like I walk the dog mm-hmm. every day, at least at least once a day, if as long as the weather's not insane, honestly. Usually like twice a day in the mm-hmm. summer. And that's kinda like all I do. I'll do that and if I'm feeling really like if I'm feeling like I need a little extra, I'll do like yoga mm-hmm. and I guess I meditate, but that's not really exercise. That's more like tuning the mental health aspect mm-hmm. of it. But I don't know, I just like, especially when you're dealing with people kind of imposing, you know, their own beliefs. And I also think when people talk about your body, mm-hmm. I feel like it exposes way more about their their issues than yeah, it, than it ever projection. does. Absolutely. And I feel like sometimes it's really helpful to kind of do what you can to reclaim your body. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like my attitude to, towards how I look drastically changed when I got my first tattoo. Mm. which I did that it'll be a year in October you're looking at my beautiful mountainscape right now which like it I got that tattoo associated with a specific memory which we'll we'll talk about at a different point in time 
But that was the first time, like, sitting there and feeling, like, that pain and thinking about, you know, this is going to be on my body forever. I just felt, like, this complete sense of, like, ownership mm-hmm. and love for my vessel that I get to spend 80-ish years in. And I was just, like, I think everybody should do something like that. Like, really, if you're mm-hmm. struggling, like, taking ownership over your body, like, it's your house. Decorate it how you want. Like, whether yeah. it's with clothing, tattoos, piercings, whatever. But, like... And if you are a gym rat, like, we're not hating on you. No, God. <laughs> good good for you. Yeah. And, and I'm someone who, like, always thought I would like to like the gym. Yeah. And I've just accepted that I will try out any boutique studio activity, <laughs> preferably one where there's loud music, it's a dark room. Yeah. And someone's yelling at you. And that's just, that's how I get motivated. But everyone is different. See, I, I don't like the gym because I I find it very unwelcoming towards mm. women, most of them. And also unwelcoming towards beginners. But I also think, like, that's my own shit being projected onto it. And I've gone it's also to, dangerous for beginners. Yes, it is. And But, like, I've gone with people and, like, it's fine. It's whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not, like, my first instinct when it no. comes to exercise. But I know I can, I can like, literally hear my friend Des listening to this right now and be like, you don't like the gym. I love the gym. <laughs> yeah, she's into it. But, all yeah. right. Well, okay. What are some key takeaways from this episode? We are, like, almost at an hour. Holy smokes. What, what's one thing people should walk away with today? I'm going to repeat it, but I think just, and this can happen at a different pace for everyone, Mm -hmm. but just reminding yourself that your body can be the least interesting thing about you. It could be the most interesting thing about you if Mm -hmm. you want, but it's fully your choice. Mm -hmm. It's your body. You live in it. It's your home. Yeah. And that's like, that's pretty cool. And bodies do a lot for us. They, they do way more than we, I think, mentally take into account. Mm -hmm. every day and you know not again not to repeat what I just said either but like we only have like 80 years here in our bodies if we're really lucky and everything Mm kind of goes according to plan and I just think like what a waste to spend all that time disliking something as simple as how you look you know there are so many other amazing things that make you who you are and don't get me wrong, like, a pretty face is a pretty face, and mm-hmm. everyone likes to look at that, but it's also, like, and I think it's the most unoriginal way to be interesting to me. Is that too harsh? I feel like that was too harsh. I don't think it's hard, but I think you can recognize pretty privilege while yeah. also, like, acknowledging that people use makeup and fashion as mm-hmm. armor sometimes. Yeah, and I do. Like, absolutely. For everyone who has, like, skills, especially makeup skills, like, that is... It's so impressive. Whatever you need to do to make your body feel home to you, mm-hmm. do it. Do it. Yeah, why not? What's the worst thing that could happen by loving yourself? No. Like, there's and no downside. <laughs> I have to say, like, I used to I used to teach swimming lessons. There were some days where I'm like, oh, I have an activity. I don't really have time to, like, fully shower and do my hair after, so I'm going to try to keep my hair dry as I teach the swimming lesson. <laughs> that lasted, like, maybe two weeks. Um, And ever since then, I'm like, I have never regretted getting my hair wet. Because you know what I do? Mm. I just throw it in a bun on the top of my head and don't worry about it. And it's done. And I'm like, but I have regretted those times where I was like, oh, I'm just going to wade in. I'm not going to commit. Yeah. I think we stop ourselves from doing so much because we're worried about how we'll look, 
look or mm-hmm. how people will judge our bodies. And I feel like we, we need to remember, people are not noticing us as much as we think we mm-hmm. are. Everybody has their own shit that they're self-conscious of and that they're thinking everybody is noticing. Yeah. So when you take a step back and realize everybody's too wrapped up in their own like issues to really mm-hmm. pay attention to yours... And if they are, it's just, in my opinion, highlighting whatever the fuck they're self-conscious about. It's like, just do your thing. If somebody has something to say, that's their problem. Yeah. And I think the last thing I want to say is, fuck bikini body workouts. Uh, Because you're in a body, you have a bikini body. And this is inclusive of all genders. Mm -hmm. You're in a body, Mm -hmm. rock that bikini. Mm -hmm. Have a great summer. God, yeah. Have a great summer, everybody, and let's draw the line. Yeah, let's draw the line. Bad at Boundaries is a podcast created by Lisa Hennig and Kelly McGillis. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Bad at Boundaries. Thanks for listening.